to episode 34 of the Accessibility Craft Podcast, where we explore the art of creating accessible websites while trying out interesting craft beverages. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Equalize Digital, a WordPress accessibility company and the proud creators of the Accessibility Checker plugin. In this episode, we discuss common accessibility problems found in WordPress plugins and offer practical advice on when to evaluate, remediate, or abandon third-party software that has usability issues. For show notes and a full transcript, go to accessibilitycraft.com slash 034. And now, on to the show. Hey everybody, it's Amber, and I'm here today with Chris. Hey everybody. And Steve. Hey, how's it going everyone? And we are going to be talking today about accessibility in WordPress plugins. But first, we're going to have a beverage. What are we drinking today, Chris? So we are going to be giving a craft mocktail a try. So this is zero proof, zero alcohol. We're trying zero proof watermelon mojito by Recess, which is not something I've tried or I think even seen before. Um, but they their big claim is they they have some of those adaptogens and additives in this. Um, so it's got guayusa. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. So it's got some botanicals in there and um, it is made with real juice. The whole can is 5 calories. 5% five, 5 juice. It's not like a total juice. Yeah, that's true. What What's, what's an adaptogen? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone Google really fast. <laughs> Google. It's one of those one of those um, buzzwords that I think make uh, make health obsessed people want to buy things. Um. <laughs> uh, I mean, I it got me because it said watermelon, and it's still a hundred degrees here. That has been the theme of the drinks lately, and I was like, watermelon into summer. That sounds like a good oh. drink. Uh, well, and it, it's mojitos, so it's mint too. So you have double yeah. double cooling happening. Um, yeah, and it's got agave. An, adapted, in it. an adaptogen are plants and mushrooms that have been found to help the body respond to stress, anxiety, fatigue, and overall well being. Mm -hmm. So this should be excellent for de developers. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and this is this is our uh, this is our first uh, um, actually no second so we're we're still recovering from WordCamp US um, so we're gonna we're gonna continue our recovery uh, with with this mocktail do we want to crack it open yeah. and, and give this a try yeah you know yes. it also says it has some caffeine in it it says it says oh. less than half the caffeine in a cup of tea but it does have some caffeine so maybe that'll give you a slight like buzz if you're a caffeine person i pretty cool. much don't feel caffeine unless i'm chewing on coffee beans at this point it's I'm because you sure drink coffee all day long. <laughs> <laughs> all right so i will say that uh i don't know how many you sent of these chris like 12 or something my wife has pretty much drank all of them except for, oh, she <laughs> except likes for them. the one so, <laughs> so, yeah. so it's uh it's a chick drink uh is what yeah, you're saying yeah. What yeah, yeah. now? <laughs> All right, wait. It smells okay. I'm smelling it, and it smells like a Jolly Rancher. Yeah, actually, yeah. you're right. It's spot on. It does smell like a watermelon Jolly Rancher. I smell some of that mint too. Let's give this a taste. 
Oh, I like it. It's got yeah, it's a, good. a good mojito flavor. Like it's minty. It's not as watermelony as I might like, but I really mm -hmm. like it. I have no complaints about this. No, I don't. I don't have any complaints either. I I definitely lose the watermelon to the mint. Um, the bubbles are nice. It's not like overly effervescent. Um, it's not overly sweet, but you do get some sweetness. I can taste the agave. And you know what I'm not getting is a weird botanical aftertaste that, um, you know, masks all the pleasant flavors like we've had with <laughs> a couple of other of these drinks that have these additional additives in them. So, uh, yeah, this is good. I can see why there's only a couple left at your house, Steve. Wait, so yeah. Steve, what's your verdict? You haven't said. No, it's good. I like it. It's. I would probably, like, if I was to tweak it, I'd probably be more watermelon. But would you buy milk. it again? I think I have to because of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I really like this. This is probably my favorite of all the, like, fake alcohol drinks we've had, like mocktails. This mm -hmm. is definitely yep. my favorite. It has good flavor. Yep. Like, the very first one we had tasted like water. And then the other ones had this weird planty, rosemary, soapy something going on. But but this is nice. It's it's clean. It doesn't have the plant flavor. I get mm -hmm. the mint and a little bit of fruit. Take a recess from buzzed to balanced, from replacement to enhancement. Welcome to the new kind of party. <laughs> yeah, also their their tagline is apparently a drink for when you don't want one. So that, that's yeah. kind of a nice yeah. And it's I it's feel only... that way very often for, for most of WordCamp US. I was having sodas with lime, so I appeared to be partying with everyone else, but I wasn't. <laughs> you were right. just laughing at all the drunk people. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> You're like, they you think I'm laughing with you, but really <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yep, so yep. I think this is a winner. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm totally. gonna totally finish this while we do this episode. Sometimes I don't finish the beverages, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm excited to drink more because I haven't tried them until now. So yeah, I know. At our house, we still have ten left. Yeah, uh, yeah. we. Uh, so recess has a bunch. I've been getting. I get <laughs> since we do this podcast, I I get all these ads on like Facebook and stuff for craft beverages but mostly they're all non-alcoholic so they i guess facebook has pinged me as somebody who's interested in non-alcoholic beverages um or maybe you can't even advertise alcohol on facebook maybe but but they have a lot of different flavors so i would definitely go try more yep yeah. very good yeah maybe another uh recess flavor will make its way onto accessibility craft in the future i'll uh i'll definitely remember to check them out again um, so let's shift over to talking about accessibility mistakes in WordPress plugins. Um, and I have the, the privilege of being the person that gets to ask the questions today because I don't do our auditing and I don't look at the accessibility of a lot of plugins in a really granular way. So I might throw in some comments here and there, but we're going to lean on our two more technical guests to to get us through some of these some of these questions and these ideas. So first, how would we go about assessing a plugin to see if it's okay to use if we're concerned about our website being accessible, which we should be? Yeah, so I might 
start with that. I, and actually last night I was working on the volunteer handbook for the WordPress Accessibility Day um, website. And previously we had it in a Google Doc, but we decided for better accessibility, it should be a web page because Google Docs can sometimes be challenging for screen reader users. And I put it on and I was like, this thing is really long. It needs a table of contents. Normally, when we build table of contents, Steve just makes a custom block, but I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I don't know how to magically make table of contents show up. So, so I was like, I'm going to go see what's available. And I searched on WordPress.org in the plugin directory, and there are, I don't know, 12, maybe even 20, because I didn't go multiple pages deep, different table of contents plugins. And, and then I got really brave, and I was like, I'm going to – I'm going to live stream this in our Facebook group, <laughs> testing them. I did two, and then I had to go away to a volunteer training. And then Alex was commenting, and so he's like, let's get on. So he got back on. So if anyone wants to, if you're in our Facebook group, you can go find a 20-minute video of me and then an hour and 15-minute video of me and Alex, where Alex is sharing his screen and testing these plugins and trying to decide. Um, but I mean, really, the best way is to test it. Put it on a sandbox site. Don't put it on your live site if you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and just try and go through it with a keyboard, then with a screen reader. I mean, gosh, with these plugins, we were also testing the back end because he was the one who was configuring them. <laughs> and one of them, I, sh I should have been crying, but I was laughing so hard because Alex, who is going to be a future guest on this podcast, by the way, Alex Stein, um, he's kind of hilarious. <laughs> And he like goes in and and we just hear this plugin has table of contents, like all the headings on the left in the block editor. And then next to each one, there's a little button with a pencil on it and a button and then a second button with an eye, like an eyeball on it. So you could either edit the heading in that list of links or you could hide it. And he goes and it's just like button, 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 button. button. And he goes. Well, this isn't good. <laughs> and, then, and then he just like keeps going through it and you're just hearing because it was a list of maybe 40 headings with these just buttons that said nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What do you do yeah, when you're I mean, testing, Steve? Well, I, I when you asked the question, Chris, I, uh, I was first, I was thinking more in the back end than the front end, right? When you were talking about trying to find the table of contents block that you could use but but I, I guess it makes sense that you were trying to find one that was accessible on the front end um i mean it's kind of interesting too like we uh we've had requests uh with our accessibility checker plugin to exclude uh other plugins bad uh accessibility issues fr from the reports wait have we really so, i missed that support mm -hmm. ticket yeah yeah so query monitor um, not to call out Query Monitor because I love that plugin. It's amazing, right? Like I use it all the time. But uh, and 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 I will say a little piece on that in my testing of it. But uh, we had a, we had a, a user of our plugin want us to exclude uh, the accessibility checker output on our scans, and I think we also were were excluding like the uh, WordPress admin bar because sometimes i mean you can that can be filtered right any plugin can inject anything they want into that and it could introduce accessibility issues for logged in users right 
So we've added an exclusion for that as well. Um, now, in my te- in my testing, now I will say I didn't notice any issues being picked up in Query Monitor, but that may be because I didn't have any. You know, what's inside a Query Monitor can change based what's on the page, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, there, if there's more errors or or outputs or whatever, right? So I will say I didn't notice any, but uh, obviously that that user of the plugin was was you know every post they were on and they're logged in right the plugins logged in when it scans it's finding those errors but so you can use some automation tools to check uh, and you could i mean i think wave would run in the back end of wordpress right mhm yeah if you want to check the back end um yeah. but even if we're just talking about choosing the front end and you know and maybe that's sort of an interesting point on the like excluding the admin bar it might be that if you don't allow people to log into your website or even if you do, you maybe you're blocking the admin yeah. bar for them and you know that, well, no one on your team at least currently has disabilities, then it might be fine for us to exclude that because it's not really impacting your customers. It's only impacting people on your team and you have more control over when right. or if the accessibility matters for your team. Um but yeah, I think like using the automated checkers is is helpful. I do that on plugin demo websites all the time. I mean, I think my first go if I'm trying to pick a plugin is I sometimes go by the number of installs. Like I'll usually start with the highest number of installs, which is maybe not fair to newer plugins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Same. But but I do that, and then and then if they have a demo, I'll go try and look at their demo website first because I was like that might save me a lot of time, not having to put it on a fake site. But then if they yeah. don't have one, um, then I usually will spin up. I use uh, local to do local sites. Um, the one that's owned by WP Engine, local WP. And I just have a mm-hmm. sandbox site that I'll sometimes install the plugin on. And I'll, yeah, I'll do the same thing that we would do for auditing a live website um, to try and figure yeah. out common problems. Same here. Yeah. Try the keyboard on it. And- see how it works yeah mm-hmm. so now, what i what ahead, i see. think would be i mean like what i think would be cool for plugin de- devs in their readme right what outputs in their description if they have some kind of accessibility st- statement is that the right word about their plugin i mean that would be kind of cool like if you're going through and you're trying to f- find an accessible plugin which they should all be accessible right <laughs> but i mean like you know, a lot of times that's specifically what you were looking for, Amber, right? Was accessibility. And if, and if you would have put that in your readme, some kind of statement about your commitment to accessibility in your plugin, I think that would, would help get more downloads. Do you yeah, ever actually, like look for or ask for a VPAT? Or have you ever done that? Uh, so we have advised that our clients, like our higher ed clients, ask for them because they're technically required to ask for them. Um I don't because my assumption is there are no WordPress plugins outside of mine <laughs> and maybe a very small handful of plugins that are actually connected to like a SaaS service. They're not just like a WordPress plugin that have them. I think most WordPress plugin developers have probably never even heard of a VPAT. If you haven't heard of a VPAT, it is a vo- voluntary product accessibility template, which is a document that you can go through where you basically list where your software either 
meets, partially meets, or doesn't meet at all every individual web content accessibility guideline success criterion. Um, and other success criterions like for Section 508 or for European accessibility laws. Uh, and if you're selling to the government, like the federal government, NASA, for example, when they bought our plugin, they were like, you need to provide a VPAT or we will not buy your plugin. Um, so if you think you're going after enterprise as a plugin developer, you should definitely have those. My general assumption, though, from talking to them, because I we got asked by another plugin that NASA is considering using and now and they asked them for a VPAT and they're like, uh, <laughs> we don't have one. So then they contacted us to be like, how much would it cost for you to audit our plugin and help us write a VPAT so that we can get this contract with NASA? Um, so, I mean, you definitely need them. I'm assuming that they don't. I think having an accessibility statement would be neat. The other thing that I had a conversation with Mika before she left uh, she's someone who was really big in the plugins team for many, many years. And we had an interesting conversation on Mastodon about um, plugin reviews. And right now, outside of the initial submission, there's not any, right, Steve, there's not any oversight on plugins and their quality. No, no. And what I would love to see WordPress do, and, and this was what she and I sort of talked back and forth on Mastodon was... Um, integrating like WPCS with plugin pushes and having a visible label that makes it really clear to um, users in the plugin directory if a plugin passes or fails because those are easy automated checks. Um, and, and I think it could be interesting to even build into that some baseline accessibility. Now, could you get everything? No. But, I mean, there are certain things that you could probably check with a, a scan of the plugin's code and flag, like, this might be not good from an accessibility standpoint. Yeah. So I think that would be neat to see. I have no idea if we yeah. would ever get there. but I mean, I could see that starting a huge fight <laughs> in the WordPress community, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when, you know... We're always trying to keep up with accessibility in core as well, right? This episode of Accessibility Craft is sponsored by Equalize Digital Accessibility Checker, the WordPress plugin that helps you find accessibility problems before you hit publish. A WordPress native tool, Accessibility Checker provides reports directly on the post edit screen. Reports are comprehensive enough for an accessibility professional or developer, but easy enough for a content creator to understand. Accessibility Checker is an ideal tool to audit existing WordPress websites, find accessibility problems during new builds, or monitor accessibility and remind content creators of accessibility best practices on an ongoing basis. Scans run on your server, so there are no per-page fees or external API connections. GDPR and privacy compliant, real-time accessibility scanning. Scan unlimited posts and pages with Accessibility Checker free. Upgrade to a paid version of Accessibility Checker to scan custom post types and password-protected sites. View site-wide open issue reports and more. Download Accessibility Checker free today at equalizedigital.com forward slash accessibility dash checker. Use coupon code ACCESSIBILITYCRAFT 
to save 10% on any paid plan. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, is maybe, so I think what she had said was, maybe it happens when you hit a certain threshold of users. So you don't yeah. get like those sorts of scans when you only have 100 active installs, but the moment you hit 10,000 is when it's going to start, because it's like a lot of people are using this, you could be adding significant security risks, yeah. right? Or or other quality issues. Um, and accessibility is certainly one of those. So, you know, maybe it's based on the, the plugin install count threshold, or maybe it's an opt-in that plugins could opt into where they mm. could get some sort of test from the accessibility team. Now, of course, who's going to do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but maybe they pay for it. Maybe that's an optional thing yeah. that they could pay for, and then that pays someone on the accessibility team for their time to audit, and then they fix whatever problems, it gets retested, and then they get a badge, and that's part of the foundation. Now, I know Matt Moenwick has said it's hard to pay people out of the foundation because it's not really set up that way, but there's the, uh, what is it, the Open Collective or something that Courtney Robertson started for being yeah, able yeah. to pay contributors. So, like, there are nonprofits that maybe that could run through. I don't know. That would be neat. So when we're testing plugins, and we frequently test plugins, um, what are some of the, the most frequent accessibility problems that you both see or that we encounter? You can go button, first, Steve. But, button, 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 <laughs> right? <laughs> what Amber said well, earlier. I mean, boy, at least those oh, ones man. were buttons. There's also plenty of things that are just spans or divs. Or links yeah. all the time. I think yeah. a lot of developers do not understand the difference between a link, which is supposed to take you somewhere to another web page or lower down on the same page or higher up or whatever, and a button, which is supposed to engage an interaction. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the button, and then the button gets like because a JavaScript will allow you, right? You can target any element, right? Then they could use a span or a div as a button, right? Like. It, it, it can get pretty messy. Um, I think that's probably the biggest, right? I think that's number one. The, so if we were to issue. if we were to like yeah. put a pin in that, as far as like summarize it, is it just like not tagging things appropriately in HTML? Basically, is that yeah, not not yeah. using the right semantic markup? Yeah, I think for for, for its intent. I think yeah. another area where we see a lot of problems are with accordions. And there's a lot of different plugins that include accordions in different places, or they have accordion blocks or things like that, um, where those yeah. don't function properly. Um, carousels are a big one, but I think a lot of that comes down to like the lack of like the button controls that are accessible yeah, yeah. buttons. So I really feel like that's a huge problem. Color contrast can be a problem. Yeah, color contrast, modals. Uh, forms. Oh yeah. Forms. So with modals, like we talked about before, like managing focus is a big issue, and that happens yep. too with any like those table of contents plugins. Like one of the things we were looking for on that was if Alex followed a link to a heading, did the screen reader then read out and did it shift focus or did it just visually scroll the page but not actually move his focus? And I feel like a lot of the plugins that use like smooth scroll have problems mm -hmm. with with that like they're not managing focus appropriately carousels too typically don't manage yeah. focus very ideally 
but yeah and style yeah the styles for focus and oh yeah, yeah. what else gosh focus if you are a plugin developer you should never ever like there is literally no reason why you would ever say outline zero or outline none on colon yeah. or on colon focus you should never remove the focus outline ever yeah, because even if you don't put anything, the the browser or the theme would inherit, and there might be something there that's useful to a to a keyboard user. But when you go and and override the styles and and force it not to have have it, then that you know that's yeah. trouble. And that's what's so that happens frustrating. A lot. Like you can put a plugin that does that in a theme that has good focus indicators, but the plugin styles will take precedence because they're like closer to the element in the style tree however you say that i don't know if that's a technical way of saying that steve can correct me (laughs) but like they'll override whatever's happening in the theme and that's really frustrating yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, so like uh missing like just like missing or incorrect aria labels like that happens quite a bit what about like Um, excessive aria labels have you ever encountered where like they're being overused or yeah maybe not overused but like incorrectly used mm-hmm. um like icons a lot of times are not like hidden mm-hmm. you know they don't have so the icons read out when you tab to them or 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 it reads out like as like i mean it, it like in the screen reader like visual text thing you know it shows like a, it shows that like broken font square you know what i'm talking about because mm-hmm. <laughs> it it can't actually show it, but uh. Yeah, so I think like, um, in inaccessible names, or the accessible names that are ambiguous. So, um, I was just looking at. Well, actually, we were looking at a carousel. You you double checked it for me on on a plugin that on one of the websites we were auditing. They had just used a plugin to create the carousel, and I think the the previous and next slide buttons were just like an arrow pointing or like a bracket i don't even know what it is yeah 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 yeah, yeah it was like a a, a greater than sign yeah great yeah so i think it would say like button greater than yeah yeah <laughs> which makes no yeah. sense right uh button right. less than <laughs> um or if you have buttons that do the same thing uh, but they well, they don't do the same thing, but they do the same thing for different elements. So, so for example, what I was talking about the table of contents block with the like the edit buttons, which those were unlabeled, but it wouldn't be good enough to just say edit, edit, edit. Like you would need to say edit heading and then say the heading, edit heading and then say the heading so that they'd be different and unique from one another because they have different and unique functionality. Um, yeah. yeah, so I see that a lot in plugins too, where maybe they've tried and they've gotten close, but they're missing the whole like everything needs to be really unique and just like clear to people. Yeah. So, so I think like another thing that I see sometimes is like, um, you know, uh, like inaccessible media content where like it's a custom block or something and it and you, it adds images or video and, and it doesn't always you know, give you options to, it, or, or it doesn't output the alternative text or the caption or description. So like we've seen this in themes and stuff before where, where, uh, 
you know, it's outputting the image, but it's not grabbing the alt text that's been defined in the WordPress admin. So I've seen that quite a bit. Yeah, you know, actually what, what that also kind of leads me to is I think a big accessibility mistake <laughs> that plugin developers make sometimes is giving too much freedom to users. So one of the, I mean, one of the table of contents blocks that we looked at yesterday, I mean, it had so many settings that I was just like, if I was, I mean, I was overwhelmed. <laughs> like, I don't even yeah. know, like all these different settings. But like it had the option of having your table of contents in an unordered list, which was default, which is what I think was good. An ordered list, which might be fine because technically it is ordered or none. <laughs> and then I'm like, why? Like what? We didn't even test it. But I'm like, I guess it would put it in divs or p tags or something. But like, why? Like, why would we give that option to users? Like, it's a list. It should be a list. Yeah. Um. Or, or I've seen, you know, like on forum plugins where they have the option to remove the label, uh, or plugins that like give users the ability. Like one of the table of contents plugins had like animation, and you could like make your table of contents zoom in fade in fly in <laughs> and i'm just like well that's great but why like yeah. let's not because it's actually horrible <laughs> Be because the more features you put in your plugin the more it's gonna get downloaded or sell right yeah i mean no. i guess that's what they're trying to do they're trying to <laughs> differentiate but at the same time yeah. it's like why don't you differentiate on like quality code not giving your users options that they're just going to abuse and not understand I mean, sometimes like options under the hood are are fine t to an extent, right? But I think I think the plugin dev should should make those decisions like out of the box. What does this do, right? And those those should be the correct decisions. Now, if there's you know a minor use case where you want to flip what the li you know the list markup is, then maybe maybe there's a use case for that. But maybe there's not, right? Like it's going to provide bad accessibility, so it's like you you want to do it right out of the box, and then decide, you know, what settings should go in there. And just because somebody goes on the the support form and asks for a feature, it doesn't mean you have to put it in there, right? If it's not the right thing for your plugin, or if it's not the right thing for accessibility, because you're just adding. I mean, you're adding technical debt to yourself that you're going to have to maintain moving forward. You know, and plus it's probably bad. It could be bad as a whole from an accessibility standpoint. This So this this is sort of a tangent, but I'm curious. How have you been assessing that when people ask for things in our plugin? Well, my default is no. <laughs> <laughs> like, you asked for something, no, I'm not going to be like, okay, everyone who purchases our plugin, <laughs> you did not hear him say that. He really cares uh, yeah, about your no. feature requests. <laughs> no feature for you. No. no. <laughs> I mean, it kind of it happens like, yeah, this is a tangent, but we can go down this road like it happens differently, like with different requests. Right. There's definitely been times where we've gotten requests and I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, no, because I know it's going to be extremely difficult to implement. Right. And, and then. So is that always then, a no or is it more of kind of like a not right now? It's a more. Yeah, it's more like, oh, I just don't know if we can do this in, in a timely manner. Um, and then. There's times where a request has come in, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is cool," and I'll open an issue, 
and then Amber will be like, no, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> so like, yeah. So it, it kind of goes both ways. I'm trying to remember an example, but <laughs> I can't yeah, there was one. one. There was one recently. I think maybe it came in through Chris. Like there was a a client that Chris had spoke to or something. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. We should do that. We could we can implement it pretty easily. And then Amber's like, no, I don't think we should do that. What so, was it? Do you remember? I don't remember. No. No, I, I mean, it happens as as we get we're in the territory of having thousands of users now, and I, it's happening more and more frequently. The requests, and there are some that I filter out, right? But yeah, um, that are just you know outlandish, or they just aren't in keeping with like the values of our company, right? Like, I I've had multiple requests of like, can we run the scan privately and hide the reports from our clients? And, and I've had that request multiple times. And this, this podcast is the first time I brought it up with y'all. But like, I'm like, that's a bit of an ethical concern um, no, to offer I mean, the option to hide the results of an accessibility scan. Um, yeah. I don't from know. From certain it's, users. You well, know. I could see doing it in certain user roles. I mean, I know we've talked about maybe eventually getting to a point where like an author can only see the issues that are created in the content because they can't control the header and the footer and it's just noise for them. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I could maybe see that, but but yeah. Well, is- yeah, in that use case, but the request I was getting was, can we hide it all together and only have admins see anything at all? Um and so I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, then what's there the might point? Be, <laughs> yeah, there might be a use case to have it by user role, right? Like, mm-hmm. because like, I mean, I know when we do like our enterprise pro- uh, projects and stuff, like we're not just making WordPress websites, right? They could be anything, right? They could be this some like SaaS built on top of WordPress, a portal, right? So there could be a use case where there's certain users in there that you wouldn't want to see the output, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Oh, you know, actually, I do know one that someone asked. They really wanted. They said it was an agency and they said their clients really want to have one of those little floating icons on the front, like an accessibility icon, like an overlay ads. And they're like, we don't want an overlay, but the client really wants to have that because they think that it will help their customer's perception of their website. And I was like, "Mm, I mean, floating, floating bugs in and of themselves can be accessibility issues. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Especially for, and I was like, I mean, there's a footer thing. You can't just have them there like, they really wanted an emblem. And I was like, we'll think about it. <laughs> but really, I was going, no. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Because he was like, well, you could, I was like, well, would it just be there and not do anything? And he's like, no. He's like, you could click on it and it would open a modal that would that would talk about accessibility. Like have as an alternative, like a little short blurb. And then you could go to the accessibility statement for more or something. I don't know. I mean, it would probably be really good marketing for us if people had our logo all over their website. But at the same time, like, I just, I don't know. Uh, is it good marketing like good for choice. us if that if the act of having that feature available produces accessibility issues, right? Well, it might be right. bad marketing for us. Um, or, or, or if it's like, or if they're thinking of it as like, we're endorsing this website as accessible, right? Yeah, mm. there's also that. Where, where also an that. automated an automated tool such as accessibility checker can only check what can be automated, right? Like there, it requires human being. Yeah. So I don't know. 
Yeah, so that's an example of something that someone asked for that I was like, I don't think this is good for accessibility, so we shouldn't do it even though people, I mean, I wasn't like a lot of people asked for it. I think probably when you're doing that, you also sort of take the feature requests and, and you prioritize things that a lot of people are asking for. Yeah. Yeah, all this, said, all this to say that like, <laughs> all this to well, say I mean, that the, like, uh, all the all the WordPress product companies out there that might listen to this, like we are sympathetic to users asking for things. Uh, <laughs> it happens. Um, just be cautious with what you implement. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when we've identified accessibility problems in a plugin, and this happens frequently in the course of our audits, um, and even when we're evaluating things to use for our own purposes, what are some recommended avenues for fixing those problems? Yeah, I th I mean, I think this dovetails a little bit into what we were just talking about, right? When we get feature requests, right? I think I think an area that people don't always default to when they find that a plugin's not accessible is is go back to that plugin developer, open a support ticket with them, and ask them to fix it. You know, request a feature of them, right? Like and. Uh, if they're prioritizing things correctly, then they should update it, right? I know I know when we get requests for like a feature or, or like especially like bug bugs, right? I try to get those turned around within like twenty four to forty eight hours a lot of times. Just to show just to show that our plugin is in active development. We're listening to our clients or our customers or users, because there's you know, there's a free plugin. Um I want them to feel like that they're not just downloading a plugin that's just going to live on their website forever. I want them to feel like th there's real people behind this and that we're listening. And I think other big plugin co uh, companies are the same way. I, I mean, I know that like with Gravity Forms, like didn't you have some input on some stuff with Gravity Forms, Amber? Um, yeah, I, uh, Carl who's the owner of Gravity Forums, he did connect me with one of their devs and he's like, if you come across accessibility problems, this is who you can email. The events calendar right now has been really great. Um, so we have a client that we're doing remediation for and they had a, like a homemade event calendar plugin that it was just so bad, which we can probably circle back to, that it was like, it wasn't worth fixing. And so I was like, well, let's put you on the events calendar. I think it will do all, everything you need. But we had to test it and there were a few things that came up. I, and this is challenging because um, they per purchased a license for it, but I didn't have the login, so I couldn't request support. So I just went to the free WordPress.org support forums and I posted some accessibility issues. But then what I did, and, and I'll tell you, like I think that this really helps with getting traction is, especially with those bigger companies, I also tweeted about my support requests and I tagged them. Yeah. And so then I got, like on Twitter, their marketing team, and then like a couple of people messaged me on post status from their team, and they're all like, "We want to do it." But they've been—they were like, "Wait, we actually really appreciate this," and they added me to like a private Slack. So as we continue testing, we could flag things for them faster. And they're like, "Here's the dev who's assigned to work on the issues you raised." Um, yeah. So I think for sure, especially if it's a really large plugin, 
raising it. Now I don't always have as much of success with like smaller plugins. Like that's owned by a hosting company. They have a lot of yeah. money. They have an active team. There might be plugins that are like ours that only have one full-time developer or there's a lot of plugins out there that it's a develop like a freelance developer who's doing client work and sometimes maintaining their plugins. Um which we've been there. So those I don't feel like we get as much like I've I've raised things with them or, and flagged it as accessibility and they're sort of like okay we'll take note or we'll see if we can fix it and then you never hear anything sometimes they don't yeah, even reply yeah. <laughs> yeah so the so the flip side of you know going to the plugin dev and advocating for them to fix it or like amber said leveraging the community um if you don't feel like your voice is being heard tag amber i'm, I'm sure she'll help you <laughs> I'm sure she'll help you ho holler that around the internet. But yeah, uh, yeah. Amber is loud. Yeah. <laughs> so, I hope you mean that in a good way. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> not like not like volume loud. I'm I mean loud in terms of reach in the WordPress space. It's a compliment. That's, that's okay. right. <laughs> yeah. So I think the the flip side of that's the technical side, right? When you when you've got a plugin, you really want to use it on your project. You can't, the plugin developer can't turn around a fix quick enough, you know, so you got to take things in your own hands. That's when things can get a little hacky, <laughs> but sometimes it has to happen, right? Like a plugin that we've used a lot in the past, and it's progressively gotten better, is, uh, you know, Facet WP. Um, so, you know, this is dynamic content being loaded into the page, right? So that can present a lot of different accessibility issues. And then there's, you know, there's lots of, forms right like every little facet's a, a form right so like we've had to uh kind of write our own kind of like sheet of javascript that kind of goes in and you know there's a filter and facet to like show the labels but like uh you know i think it just puts them like in an h3 or something you know it's like it doesn't always do it the right way so i've we've had to go in and kind of you know modify that quite a bit with some javascript on top you know, we just hook into like facet loaded or something like that. And then we rewrite JavaScript to add labels where we need them or to, you know, change some markup uh, the way we need to add some ARIA labels. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think that it's an option. And obviously we've done that to fix a plugin that we want to use or that is already on use on the site and it's too hard to remove. I do think. If you can, it is always better to get the plugin developer to do it because then everyone gets the accessibility fix, yes. not just the one website. But also, I think the downside is that when you fix it with JavaScript, there's no guarantee that that fix will be maintained. So this yeah. happened with us. We adjusted our checkout page with easy digital downloads because it had some issues and it worked for, uh, you know, six months, seven months, eight months. This is in the very beginning. And then luckily we weren't getting a lot of sales then. <laughs> At one point in time, someone's <laughs> like, your checkout page doesn't work. Uh oh. And we're like, what? And we have to go look. And while there was an update to easy digital downloads that then conflicted with the JavaScript that um, one of our devs had written to fix an accessibility problem. So like that, like to some degree, right? You're signing yourself up for technical debt or extra yep. maintenance when you patch something with your own JavaScript. Yeah, yeah, totally. So with with, I mean, I know a lot of us don't do this, and I know a lot a lot of us have you know automatic updates on plugins, right? Um, but 
from an accessibility standpoint, like inside your organization, you should probably have some kind of process to updating your plugins that requires, like, especially if you've had to kind of uh, do some JavaScript hacking like this, that you need to test the new version for accessibility again before updating your plugin. Now, we could do a whole episode on on that, but uh, yeah, I think I think you're you're always you're always kind of chasing. Yeah, it's technical debt. You're you're kind of chasing the plug and every update you've got to make sure that your your fix still works, right? I will say another thing like since we're talking about fastest WP, which not to call out a plugin, I think that they've been improving it, but and it's a great plugin. We love it. We've used it a lot, right? But um I don't particularly like when plugins require you to install an add-on for accessibility. Oh, yeah. So there's, by default, accessibility is turned off. And then there's, like, a filter. It's not even an add-on. Like, it's, like, a developer has to do it, right? It's a filter you have to add to a theme or something? Well, I think that it – I think it used to be an add-on. If I'm thinking – maybe I'm mistaking plugins, but uh, – or maybe we had an add-on for Gravity Forms a long time ago, but um, – Oh yeah, we did for gravity that, forms. We used to use okay. the WCAG 2.0 fields for gravity forms before they did their big revamp. Their big accessibility update. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think in Facet now there is a toggle inside of the settings to toggle on accessibility features. I kind of think if if like why why would you want them? Why would you want them to allow them to make an inaccessible? form right well and even like in that land why is turning why is it off by default pop-up maker has that too but theirs is on by default but then if you go to settings there's a way where you can uncheck the box for accessibility yeah i'm like at least it's it's on by default but i'm like why i don't understand like do you think it's backwards compatibility like maybe enabling accessibility features causes some conflict on like legacy yeah, totally. Implementations. You think so? so? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a probably an excellent point, Chris. And uh, I'll give you some de- development props for 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 thinking of that. But that, <laughs> I think you're probably right. You're probably right. That's probably what it is. It's probably to maintain backwards compatibility because you got to think every attribute you add to an HTML element can be targeted with. Uh, either javascript or css right so so if you have like an aria or you don't have an or you have an aria label on there and it's wrong right somebody could be target any user could have wrote their own javascript to target that attribute and then if you remove it their their css is going to break so yeah yeah i mean i i do know uh one of the probably the best um accordion plugin i think it's just called accordion blocks maybe um it's it's pretty close on accessibility um and we've used it before we've also used it on a project and modified it um but he had headings that he ended up adding a roll of button to because he ended up realizing like late that he needed to fix it and he he did that it's mostly right um, it reads okay with the screen reader. It um, functions fine with the keyboard. But when you add a roll of button to a heading, that heading no longer shows up in the headings list. Now, there is a workaround, which is you could put the same heading inside the accordion, and then that heading would show up in the headings list. Um, but 
but somebody flagged this for him. I saw on his support forum on WordPress.org, and he basically was like, yeah, I'm not going to fix that because the fix is that the heading tag has to go outside the button or the button tag has to go outside the heading. One of the two, right? They can't be a heading with a roll of button. And that would be a style breaker for yeah. every website. Now, I personally am like, break all break the it. styles. <laughs> <laughs> Choose accessibility first, but like I can see as a plugin developer, like that's a decision that has to be made. Yeah. And then as a user or a developer of websites for clients, you sort of, that's where you start like debating and, and it's a little bit like, it's mostly correct. And sometimes you're like, it's mostly correct. It's okay. Like it just, it doesn't show on the heading list, but I know of a workaround. So I might still use that plugin. Um, yeah. Versus the other accordions that can't even be opened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And then and the third option, I mean, there's probably a lot more than three options, but I mean, you could always fork it, right? You could always fork it, make make it better, make it yours. You know, yeah. Well, like, that was that leads me to something I was going to say because I think that 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 happened on not a fork, but something like that akin to that happened maybe even on our plugin where someone saw an issue and they just submitted a pull request. Or said like, "Hey, can you add me?" Yeah. And so, like, if you're a developer and you're assessing plugins, and there's like one problem to fix, you know how to fix it. Rather, like, you could just ask the developer, be like, "Hey, I know how to fix this. Can I just ship you some code um, yep. for you to review?" Yeah, I mean, yeah. all plugin oh. developers, if you've got a free plugin, you should have an open GitHub repo because we've had yeah, multiple totally. people submit to us. Now it's harder with a paid plugin; those don't always usually want to have open GitHub repos. Yeah. Right. But we've, we've, you know, people have reached out to us and we've added them to the, the pro plugin, the private repo for the pl pro plugin so that they can submit a PR to us. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, we've had several people outside of our organization commit uh, pull requests to the accessibility checker free plugin, which we always appreciate. So Take, you could take the initiative to fork it and submit a PR, and um, you know it might get rolled in. They might give you some credit, and you know it's it, it benefits the community. So the other thing you know that we haven't really talked about yet on auditing, we've talked about you find problems, you might try to contact and ask them to fix it. You might fix it yourself or submit a PR. But the other option is sometimes it's so bad that you just abandon yeah. completely. And I'm curious, Steve, for you, where that line is. Because I know sometimes I've asked you, like, can you fix this? And you'll be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, how do you see that line? Well, I mean, I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. But, like, um, you know, if it's something I can get in there and fix with JavaScript, uh, fairly easily is that like I, a number think, of lines of javascript <laughs> like what's easy i i think it's a number of hours right and what kind of deadline you're under for your project right um you know if we're working on a web, you know a web project or something there's always a deadline i mean so there, we're always on a time crunch so it's always you're always weigh, weighing the you know like should i try to hack and fix this plugin to work or should I just rewrite it or should I find something else? Right. So I'm always, you're always trying to balance all those things. What's going to be the quickest. And a lot of times the quickest wins, right. Because of deadlines. And, uh, um, I'm not sure if that's always the, the best answer, right. The best answer would be, you know, 
try to get the the if the plugin's being used by fifty thousand people, try to get this guy to fix it or try to submit a PR to it and get him to roll your your fix in, right? Because that benefits everybody. But you know the reality is in a service based business sometimes that sometimes things just have to get done, and uh, and maybe that's four lines of JavaScript fixes it, right? But if it's like if it's a plugin that's doing a bunch of dynamic uh you know dynamic content loading in i can't i can't find the the ajax uh hook that's doing it right and i can't listen for that the right one or i do and it, i just can't get things to happen in the right order right it loads or like my script executes before it's done loading like if there's times where i can't get those things to line up then it's probably time to move on yeah. i think i think something to that that we've been doing a little bit more in our organization is is we don't have like a, a definitely defined list of approved plugins that we can use on on projects but we definitely have a very minimal set of plugins that we use on every project we have like a base theme you know a base install with the, these plugins and stuff so we've become very picky about the plugins that we use on websites uh, i mean a lot of it has to do with gutenberg too and, uh, you know, trying to uh, maintain compatibility with Gutenberg, um, just being very choosy. Like, if you need it, like Amber said, there's an accordion block. You go grab the accordion block. You throw it in there. Well, I need a block that does this. You go find that when you throw it in there, right? And six months later, they've updated. Your website doesn't even look the same, right? So we're, we're, we've been very picky where it's like we're using this one block library, but we're only going to use these two blocks out of that library. And honestly, and then, we've been discussing like not even like I think not, we're building a website yeah. right now that it's it's all core and custom blocks and that's it. We're not putting any other blocks on it. Yeah. yeah. And then the rest of the blocks are custom coded. That way we can control uh, we can control that block. We can maintain it. We can control the accessibility of it. Because like when you start to talk about plug-in blocks and accessibility, like fixing those to be accessible is it's it's a much higher bar than like you know old school just straight php javascript uh plugins right so you get yeah. in the realm of react and you probably don't even have the build you probably don't even have the build scripts for, for some of those blocks if they don't provide a public github repo yeah. so i think some of it is probably like a, a skill decision too uh because you probably have a higher threshold for oh i'll just fix it than i do yeah and I, and and probably I have a higher threshold than maybe even Chris does. <laughs> like Chris might be like, it doesn't my, work. Delete my threshold <laughs> is like maybe a quarter inch above the floor. But He's like, I my like next step is, is Amber, Steve, help. That's my next step. <laughs> but like, right. so I think, you know, if you're an agency or a freelancer and you're building websites for people and the plugins have accessibility problems and you find them, but you're not you know, doing a lot of custom coding, you're more implementing with existing tools, it's probably easier to just change your tool set and just be like, yeah. hey, we're not using this third-party add-on anymore or we're, we need to change. And I think, too, sometimes it also falls a little bit under how central the component is. So it's really easy to swap out your social media link plugin. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's such a minimal impact on the site, right? 
but maybe it's more challenging to swap out your event calendar like that's going to be more work and so then you might say okay well how much is wrong with the event calendar versus like how much I might have to restyle a new one or spend time re-entering new events if there's no way to import them in I mean a lot of plugins you can import or content in now but still like I think you might weigh that a little bit but against your skills for sure I think probably though it gets frustrating for agencies or freelancers when they've been using this plugin set for a long time or a theme stack and they know it and then it comes up that like everything you use I mean I talked to someone at WordCamp US and she's building everything with Divi and I was just like I'm sorry like (laughs) you're just not like you're not and she's not like she's not a custom coder and she's got all these client websites but she's interested in accessibility and i was like this is a hard point but like you're pretty you have to much, switch tools if you yeah. if you decide that you want to that you're serious about accessibility you're going to have to be willing to learning a new stack and i think yeah. that's probably frustrating for people and that might be why some people don't like accessibility so you know in an ideal world the plugin devs fix their stuff but yeah, I don't know if you're if you're building websites for clients, I would probably if you don't see that train happening with your stack, I would start looking into a new stack as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah and we could do a whole episode on page builders, which I think we may have. Well, we, we talked about Elementor. Touch. Maybe we should yeah, not yeah. just pick on Elementor. We should we should go <laughs> play around with other page builders and record separate episodes yeah, for each yeah. of them. I don't know. I mean, they all have their their weaknesses and their strengths, right? When it comes to accessibility, mm-hmm. some are better than others, uh, you know, like, but uh, yeah, that, I, I got that too. At WordCamp US, I got, you know, somebody came up to me, asked, they asked me a question. Um, uh, what was, it was, uh, which page builder would you use for accessibility? And and I gave them my answer, right? And which was I don't what, know. no page builders? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he asked page builder, so I had to answer with a page, right? My my answer, I'll say it here, was Elementor, just because of the the community around it, and I think the support you can get for it, and probably for longevity. I kind of feel like you know Elementor is gonna at the top of the game when it comes to page builders, and and he got this sad look on his face. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I build everything in Beaver Builder. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, it's not that you can't make it accessible with Beaver Builder. I was like, where you need to be careful with Beaver Builder is some of the add-ons. Like, you need to vet your add-ons. Like, uh, But it's the same like, way with Elementor, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not that you can't make it accessible with those things. It's just that you have to be very careful. Like, are you using Beaver Builder Core? Or are you using like fifty other plugins that go with Beaver Builder, right? It's like you have to vet yeah. each one of those. I yeah. had heard from multiple independent sources during and after WordCamp US that Elementor has been stepping up their game on the accessibility front and has ev- evidently been patching a lot of accessibility problems that have been lingering around for months or years. Um and Bovalette was one that was shouting them out in a positive light. And I tend to trust her judgment on things like this because she's ruthless if someone's not, you know, stepping up. You know, I'll say like one of the hard things that I have about people asking us that question, and I get it a lot because I run Meetup and and that kind of stuff, but I'm going to be like, 
I don't. So Elementor, we have used in the past at our agency. I built my personal website in Elementor, so I know it. I've only ever used Beaver Builder one time. And then I think we also audited one website with Beaver Builder where we didn't build it, but it was odd. It was built by someone else. We audited it or maybe two actually. Um, but like, and, the, and there's a whole the, bunch of other builders like Oxygen and Bricks and like all the stuff that I've never even looked at. Yeah. Like one time. And so that kind of question is a little bit hard for me because unless I wasn't, I don't know, an influencer or a content creator, like some of these YouTube people that like, they spend their time trying products and testing them out. And I sometimes do test stuff when I write my articles for the admin bar, but I'm not really in those. And so, like, I might probably choose Elementor too because this is the only one I've actually ever used. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but, but like, I think that's what's a little bit hard about that question. Yeah. Is, yeah, we don't, we don't use it on a – it's not like a daily driver for us, right? We – we yeah, stick with and, custom and we're not Gutenberg you know, and custom staying on top of every new plugin that's added because that yeah, could be yeah. a full time job in and of itself. But no, so I think if you're job for fifty people at, with <laughs> yeah. the size of the WordPress ecosystem, like keeping tabs yeah. and all that. Yep. So, well, I think we're about at our hour mark. So I don't know if anyone has any closing thoughts about choosing plugins or accessibility in plugins. If you have the knowledge and the skills, help make plugins you like more accessible. There you go. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's really, for me, I think the only way we're really going to have an accessible WordPress is if the, all of the plugins are accessible so that users who know nothing about web development and nothing about accessibility will just have an accessible website by default. So that would be my hope for if you're a plugin dev listening to this. You have the ability to change the world. There you go. Speak out. Submit a pull request. Put a bug in their ear. We, we all got to do our part to push this forward. All right, everybody. Well, thank you both for being the answerers of the questions today. Uh, and we will see you all next time on Accessibility Craft. Bye. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to Accessibility Craft. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in your podcast app to get notified when future episodes release. You can find Accessibility Craft on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And if building accessibility awareness is important to you, please consider rating Accessibility Craft five stars on Apple Podcasts. Accessibility Craft is produced by Equalize Digital and hosted by Amber Hines, Chris Hines, and Steve Jones. Steve Jones composed our theme music. Learn how we help make thousands of WordPress websites more accessible at equalizedigital.com.